All right. Well, Sam, welcome to the podcast. I guess before we jump right into it, why don't you give us um, a quick little brief rundown on who you are, what you do, and uh, why you're cool, why you're doing cool shit? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about cool, but uh, I'll take it. Uh, I'm a musician mainly. Uh, I just put out an album the other day. I was doing a little promo for that. I make my own music uh, in a project called Mute Choir, and then I also produce for other artists and stuff. Uh, production writing like various things that's kind of my name of my game i guess well why why don't we get into the album just because that checks off like the pr list um tell us about the album we know what it was called isolator came out i guess a couple weeks ago now because this will be released in a couple yeah. weeks uh but tell us about it. tell us like the meaning behind it what you're excited about and uh, and how it kind of came to life I mean, un, unsurprisingly, an album named Isolator was written during the pandemic. Um, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of a dark record. Uh, like, at the time, I was just, you know, even aside from the, the actual pandemic isolation stuff, uh, you know, just like dealing with depression and anxiety and stuff like that was kind of at an all-time high for me. Um, found myself, like isolating from friends and people around me um not for really good reason sometimes when you're in that dark space you you kind of uh uh you self-sabotage kind of Ooh, yeah so i wrote this kind of kind of negative album to be honest but as a means of uh, sort of like therapy of as opposed to like living it out and seeing where this cycle leads i was like why don't i just sort of write this fictional story of if i follow this cycle of you know what i was dealing with and give in to sort of the negative sides of stuff where that would go so it's i guess it's sort of a, a cautionary tale um and it was it was really therapeutic like at the end of it let a lot of emotions out and you get to sort of deal with those emotions because to put them on the page in a coherent song you have to kind of make sense of it so, uh, yeah, it became sort of a, a therapy album, I guess. It's funny you uh, you mentioned that. It's kind of like therapy because who did we have on recently? Was it Robin? It was Robin, yeah. And she said the same thing. She's like, writing music is a lot cheaper than therapy. And it's like a way to express all your feelings all at once in one single, like, divided spot. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you can really express your emotions, how you're feeling, what you're going through, and nobody else can touch that. You're just, I don't want to say venting because that's not the word she used, but... Do you remember the word she used to describe it? No. We're going to say venting anyways. So it's like you can vent to, to not only yourself, but like you can let it out and let people know how you're feeling. So yeah. it's just interesting. Do you think, so you like were talking about how like, it was like kind of like this fictional story mm -hmm. of what could have played out if you stayed in that state of mind. And then it's kind of like therapy, it changed. Do you prefer writing the ty this type of music kind of more the depressing or like happy? Or like when you're like, going through happier things. Honestly, like, a lot of it, if you listen to it, you probably wouldn't be like, well, depending on the songs, like not everything sounds depressing. Like there's some like dancey stuff. <laughs> it's more like me knowing where the lyrics come from is like, for me, it's depressing. But then like somebody else is like, oh, this song is so fun. Well, there's <laughs> what's Post Malone Chemical. Do you, are you guys fans? Of, well, you yeah. are, Actually, are you? I heard that song on like a, a mood booster playlist the other so, day. So, okay, it is like, it may, I sing that song like so happy all it's summer so long. It's so sad though. And you listen to the words like, this is the most toxic song I've heard recently. Like, 
This song is literally about a toxic relationship and how like this person's like their drug. Well, I think we just talked about this too with uh, "Happy" by Marshmallow. Yeah, I want you to be happy. Happier. It's like yeah, like it's, it's songs it's, about someone being. But it depressed. sounds like you're having a good time. Like you oh, could vibe out to it. I can't. Um, but like it's not actually a happy song. Or I can't yeah. feel my face. Uh, the weekend song's literally about doing drugs. Oh, it's yeah. literally about doing too much cocaine. <laughs> and oh, you're just okay. like how how like. And I would be singing that like happy go lucky with my mom in the car. Like, I can't feel my face. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's literally about just like railing lines, like <laughs> the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, his whole vibe is kind of like that. I feel like the weekend's vibe is like <laughs> threesomes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like Drake. That's like Drake. <laughs> Actually, have you guys listened to Drake's new album? I haven't. No. no. I've heard it, apparently there's been a lot of bad reviews. But. I've heard yeah. bad reviews, but then I also saw Drake post a story the other day and it was like, comments of people making like bad comments about take care which i would say is one of his best albums now and like people love that album yeah. but as people saying oh he could have done better his previous album was better oh he could have done better wasn't the drake i was expecting and he keeps doing that where oh it wasn't the drake i was expecting and then like five years down the line people are absolutely obsessed with him obsessed with that album and it just kind of so well, i don't know the standard that you have to live up to when you're at that level is just insane like you're never going to make everyone happy and just uh, honestly, there's so many good artists that I love that first listen. I was like, what is that? Like, like <laughs> um, I, I feel like some of the more challenging listens, I would say, or people with like weird voices, like Jeff Buckley was like that for me. Um, Do you know Jeff Buckley? The no. Smiths. A lot, honestly, a lot of like weirder groups, I guess, that were challenging of a, challenging or Okay, so then like, how do you get into that then? If it's a challenging listen, so it's not someone you first, you listen, you first loved. Yeah. Like at first it was unfamiliar, you know, so you're. So that's why you listen? But I mean, even outside of music, like if something's unfamiliar, you're like, you're cautious. Yeah, like that, you know? you're, I guess it. Cause it's like that state of unknown, like curiosity almost. Yeah. But like you, as you repeat it more, maybe you start to get it. It's an acquired taste. You yeah, that's know? fair. Like okay, that's actually really fair because my sister's obsessed with Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah, have you seen that? Uh, is that so, a show? It's like a book that they turned oh. into like a series. I want to say on Prime or Netflix. I don't know one of those, but it's like based off of like Fleetwood Mac songs. Okay, but they're actual like the actors are actually singing. It's and then the music. So it's like it's all musical? about it's all about music. Okay, it's like about like kind of that era and music. And she like it's actually good songs for a TV show. Like you gotta give them credit for it. And it took me so long and then eventually I kept listening and listening and listening and I fell in love. Now like I'll listen to it on my own time. Interesting. Sometimes things are ahead of their time too, I guess. Like people like uh, um, just, I don't know. I think of even like, like Yeezus when it came out, everyone was like, what, what the hell is this? But See, I didn't even love that album either. I, I hated it when it came out. I don't know if I love the whole thing, but with time so many artists have like referenced that as an inspiration yeah, and a masterpiece or something well what do you hope people say about your music what do i hope they say yeah, about like my when they music? first listen um i hope that it keeps them on their toes i would say like for me i get really bored easily with my own music um so i'm always trying to like surprise myself and do something that catches me off guard and makes me go ooh. Um, so <laughs> I just picture you in the studio. Like, Ooh, I like that. I was different. Yeah, I hope that's their exact reaction. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, what's your what's your like writing process like? Do you because like, do you produce your own your own sounds? Yeah. So you produce, write, sing. Yeah. Okay. So what's your process? Do you come up with an idea, kind of think about the vocals and the lyrics, and then build the I guess the 
sound i think because i get really bored of stuff the process changes from record to record i like the idea of per record having kind of a different approach there's usually different inspiration and such um this record uh i mean it was a concept record i don't know if you are you guys familiar with that term no. I was just going to say, I didn't want to say it alone. Yeah, no, I'm not, not I was like, you know what? I'm going to go right in here and say, no, no. I'm not. It's basically and we've had a lot of musicians <laughs> on this podcast. Too. Like, how do we not know this? But anyways, this is good. Okay, it's basically like, uh, like Pink Floyd does that a lot, but it's it's like a story. Like You you make the album like a linear story, oh, okay. right? And you oh, stick okay. within that. Or in this case, have like a character who has a name and everything. You know? And it's meant to go from like one to like, you're supposed to listen to it in order, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the process with this record was very different than things I've done before. Cause one, I was, I was writing a lot of songs, but I was also throwing stuff away that didn't fit into the story and trying, I'm, I'm, especially because I write for different artists with so many different styles and stuff like that. It's very hard to just, just keep it focused on one thing. So, uh, it was a lot of writing stuff, throwing it away, um, so that I could, keep just this singular linear story going but then there was like weird stuff like this was probably overboard of me taking it way too seriously but like writing like actual storyboards like as if i was making a movie or something well i feel like that's part of the creative process though like everyone's got their own different creative it's kind of like process. a mood board yeah yeah like you know at the beginning yeah. of the year when people are like hey i'm gonna make my mood board right now like that's like kind of your mood board just like visualizing it yeah wait you make a mood board every no year? not me <laughs> I just say I don't. <laughs> I don't. But some people do. Some oh, girls yeah, do. <laughs> so random. Tumblr was all all the rage back yeah, in the day. Board. Pinterest. Pinterest is a mood board. Is a yeah, mood that's board. a mood board. Okay. It's like visualizing your the actual words. Yeah. So it was it was stuff like that and just cool titles or when you're having a conversation you you're cool. with people. <laughs> When you're having a conversation with people, just like, you know, somebody's saying something and then they say something is cool and you kind of sneak off. And like, oh, that might be cool for this idea. But do you do you write like notes on your phone a lot? Yeah. Because yeah. that's like, that's one thing too. Like I've, uh, who was it? Actually, Robin again recently. So we, I just referenced her because we had her on the podcast like two weeks ago. But I think we were at the bar after this podcast and I think I saw her like writing notes in her phone. I was like, well, she's like, oh, just like a little inspiration. Like if you hear like if you see good words that line up together, you someone says like a few good words in a string or like in a row or something that sounds good, they'll write it down because that gives them inspiration and stuff. Yeah, if I suddenly have to go to the washroom, I'm likely like sing, humming some voice memo into my phone or something. You know, I okay. love that. Imagine like new bangers written in my bathroom. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> Coolest <laughs> thing to happen in this condo. I'd come out with a oh. song called <laughs> Pals. In, the like, Pals. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. Okay, this might be like a stupid question, but did you like no stupid questions? Did you write the album like top to bottom? Like, does that make sense? No, no. So like, just like, and then I you just out like the order kind of at the end. I knew like what the order was gonna be of the story, but uh, I didn't necessarily write it in that order. No. So certain things came at different times, or some things weren't even written with that intention. But I was like, oh, they can kind of fit into that. You know. Was there ever anything that you wrote for someone else, but then you ended up using it for yourself? Oh, I don't know if I can. Well, it doesn't like <laughs> it, it. Maybe it was the intention it was supposed to be for someone else because I'm, I'm sure you're just always producing and like writing and. I probably more the opposite. Actually. Opposite, like things where it's like a half idea that just sits on your drive. And actually, the other day I had one where I was writing with somebody and I subconsciously wrote something that I had already written, but it was like not a finished idea. It was just like a half, half song or something. And then yeah, near the end of the session, I was like. 
wait a second. I've already written this. But it was cool. I was like, you can have it. <laughs> that's so funny, though, because I guess at some point you've written so many I guess, songs or like ideas, topics, sounds, whatever, that eventually you're not going to repeat yourself, but there's going to be times where you have unfinished products that sound, or unfinished projects that sound similar to things that you're currently working on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, depending on the process. I mean, a lot of times writing with other artists, you... I like to go in from scratch and really let them sort of lead the way and get into the like their tastes and what kind of music they like and start playing guitar or whatever and then look at them and see if they're like or if they're like you know and uh, base it off that so that helps keep things fresh so you're like part of the process but if you have to be like more of the percentage of the creative ideas that could happen yeah I mean I feel like everything is just we're cycling from stuff that inspires us like even you know sometimes you'll listen to songs you like and you're like oh that's where i like i kind of like subconsciously got this from there and a little bit of there yeah like there. a synth or something a random sound yeah or just like artists that inspire you and your brain kind of like warps it into your own version of what you'd want to hear makes sense okay i'm gonna go what's your biggest inspiration like a music like a like an artist or it could be yeah what's your biggest like artist like who's your biggest artist inspiration i guess and then like in general what's your biggest inspiration yeah i don't know i don't know that i could just like name a singular artist that's like my biggest inspiration because again it just it it changes i get bored and do you have ADD or ADHD? Oh, I have, I have so much ADD. Okay, for I sure. <laughs> I you mentioned it like numerous times. I'm like, I don't know if that's rude to ask, but no, no, not at all. Uh, proud ADD or <laughs> uh, I? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was like, I took Adderall like every day. Like I was like one of those ADD kids, which I that was a weird relationship with it to be honest, because I I don't know, I didn't really like that and. At a certain point, I think I just started like selling it to university friends who are like needed. I think for everybody had. I think everybody, anyone yeah. who took it for anyone actual. Anyone who went to university. Well, no, anyone who took it for actual medical purposes ended up selling it in university. Yeah. yeah. It I just seems like. Everyone like, had like a Adderall guy or girl. I feel like everybody says they have it now, though. Like, um, at least, I don't know if you all are on TikTok much, but like, I see. Just like maybe this is just what's your algorithm. Your algorithm. Your algorithm, your algorithm <laughs> so knows a lot you, of man. People that are like, I have ADD, but it'll be something that has. It's like a three-second video. Person it's actually it. like the most hard. We were just talking about this on the weekend. Actually, it's the hardest thing to diagnose. Yeah. And they'll diagnose it to males more than females. Why is it the hardest thing to mm -hmm. diagnose? Well, just because it. Some people will diagnose it as just like, oh, my kid's just like really hyperactive and like like a boy and has oh, energy and blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. whereas like girls face it in different symptoms uh, there's know. like a long list i can't my cousin was telling me all about it because my cousin got diagnosed at 33 oh wow yeah so I she mean, was I like remember. older but now she's going back and being like oh my god this is the reason why i had this or this is why it was harder for me to do this so now she's just using different tools to kind of help her go through it it does seem pretty overdiagnosed. i mean i remember my diagnosis and it was definitely questionable. <laughs> like, I mean, I was I was a rebellious kid. I, I I gave my parents a hard time for sure. And I think the diagnosis was something along the lines of like, he's very argumentative and rebellious, and he doesn't listen. And the doctor's like, he must have ADD. Let's you know, like you were give just him pills shit. right away. Yeah. You're probably just like a bad kid. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, f you, mom, dad. I'm 
I'm going to, I'm not going to that school. Well, I remember yeah. my teacher called my mom in grade nine being like, oh, I think your daughter has like ADD or ADHD. Um, my mom's like, why? And she goes, oh, well, she asked a lot of questions. <laughs> and I was just being a shit. Like I always just needed reassurance that what she was saying. So I'd always ask a lot of questions. So my mom's like, hey, give me more. And then like, we'll go further. See, mine, I just never went further from there. Mine was the opposite. So my grade eight, grade eight English teacher told my mom I had ADD. And then my mom's like, no, my son doesn't like. Thinking it's like a bad thing if you have ADD, right? Like you're like one of those kids or something. It's like my mom just didn't understand like kind of like mental health and, and that stuff. So she literally was like, no, he doesn't. You know, my dad definitely has it. I might have it like a little bit, but I don't think so because I'm pretty like organized now when I want to be. But my dad has definitely got ADD. Yeah. Like my dad will we'll be sitting in a conversation like this podcast and they'll be like, oh, cool. So poor credit. Tell me about it. It's like, What? <laughs> Well, you know, he said he was from Port Credit. I was like, that was 30 minutes ago, Dad. Like, what are we talking about here? Uh, oh, well, I was just thinking about how he's from Port Credit. You know, I drove there the other day. I, I, I kid you not. That's like, a, like an actual conversation with my dad. I have so many friends and family members like that that make me feel not ADD. They're just like the degree. Like those people, I'm like, you maybe you should be medicated. <laughs> like, but I mean, it, it, it is questionable sometimes too because like for me, ever since I stopped taking Adderall, which was pretty young still, I'd never felt like... I got off and I'm like, wow, I really need this. I'm, I cannot function anymore. It was just like cert, certain things. And especially for like artists, I think this is especially true. You're just hyper-focused on certain things. Like when it comes to music, I'm like the most organized, hardworking person, like hyper-focused person ever. But if you bring me into like a math class, like I'm going to nod off. Like my brain just doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah. And I guess as you get older too, you get to like narrow down on those skills that you actually do want to focus on. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about the math, the English, the, or whatever other like subjects that we were like forced to do. Like you're right now strictly focusing on your music. So you don't need, you might not need it. Yeah. And I feel like as you get and older, you get like coping skills. Yeah. I was just gonna say, as you get older, I feel like you, you probably know yourself a little bit more too to know that hey you know what i'm i've got a time limit on this let me like stay focused on this because i've only got two hours to do this whereas when you're a kid you're like okay well cool if i don't do it today i'll do it tomorrow no big deal like Mm -hmm. it's only math it's only homework i'll do it tomorrow like who cares kind of thing right yeah there's a lot more at stake as you grow up for sure how'd you get into music though um i don't know i've been doing it since i was 13. um how old are you now by the way i'm 29. 29 when I think I moved to the city when I was 17 with some buds, I was originally going to go to school at Fanshawe for music production. Yeah. Heck yeah. Western. I, well, we both went to Western. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're both London. Well, I guess not Londoners, but yeah. for, I never ended years. up, I never ended up going. Oh, I had some friends that went there. So I always went down to party with yeah, the you Western know what's, kids. You know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was there the, when the riots happened. No, when they started crazy. burning shit. Yeah. I was in at Fanshawe. So it wasn't like the worst part of it, but downtown London was crazy. Oh was yeah. Cop car at every corner. Well, like, I remember seeing videos. I had a friend that went to Fanshawe and he's like sending me videos. I was like a mattress on top of a car on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember this. Uh, you don't remember this? It would have been your first year, my fourth year, around that time. Where was it? Fanshawe. My ex went to Fanshawe. I'm pretty so, sure it was right on St. Patty's Day, if I remember correctly. I can't remember the exact day. I might but be I remember the, I remember because someone sent me a, a BBM, a picture in the BBM, and I remember like oh, look God. opening it. I'm like, that's a mattress on a oh, car. Oh, no, 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 that fire. was the year before me. We all was heard it? about it. That's why all like the rules got so, stricter. And I was, I was just there. like, why? First yeah. off, why is there a mattress on the car? Like that's 
It's not move-in day. It's not move-out day either. So why is the match on the car? And secondly, why is it on fire? Like, this car could literally blow up. Who sacrificed their mattress? Yeah, like, who's that? sleeping on the floor tonight for this? Like, I just see them, like, really? the next day sleeping on just a box spring. Like, yeah, this is like, a just terrible. <laughs> okay, so sorry. I cut you off there. Um, um, music, 13, 17, moved to Toronto oh, yeah, with a couple so buds. Couldn't go to Fanshawe. I decided not to. Yeah, I didn't go. I, I even had, like, put, put a down payment on, on a house there and everything. But I went and I was like... I want to be in a band like I as much as I want to do production and all that stuff I don't really see me like making it big time in London so I ended up not going uh which my parents were not stoked about I was literally just gonna ask that (laughs) yeah I mean the old school you're like you go to school and you get an education you get a job and I'm like yeah but I'm going to music it doesn't really work like that you know um and I'm glad I didn't because I've learned all the production stuff via YouTube for free so yeah the school hard knocks um, too right but yeah me and a buddy at the time we we uh moved to Toronto we're like, let's just do it. We're going to be famous. We're going to make a big time. Like, um, So we moved to Toronto, got a place just right beside the Cameron House on Queen's Spadina. Um, and we just right street, begun yeah. a, a lifestyle of debauchery. And uh, at that time, I guess by, by that time, um, like I'd moved down, moved back, and then moved again with this buddy. So I would have been like 19 going on 20 by that point. Um, and we actually ran into an A&R from Warner, um, just walking to the park. Um, and my buddy recognized him and started talking to him and he, uh, somehow convinced him to come to our apartment and see us play. Um, and we, wait, so that's how it started. This was, okay, so this was actually I feel like this is like a movie. Like, this is like a thing yeah, I can make a movie walk down the street, Like, oh yeah, and then we invited him to our house and like, yeah, he loved <laughs> us and we just played instruments in our grungy basement or oh, something. Oh no, so he came but we played horribly. It was terrible and he was like he was kind of like what the fuck was that? He's like you have 2 weeks to get a band together and wow me. So when we called up all our buds, we're like, "Hey guys, like So this, this is this is a comedy movie. Yeah. <laughs> So that happened, and eventually, you know, we we went the rounds. We played to him, and then we played to the president and a producer and stuff. Um, and that band was called Modern Space, and we got signed to Warner quite young, um, and quite a weird way of like meeting everyone and coming on because we didn't really we didn't have a fan base, we didn't have anything. So my intro into the music industry was definitely through that. Um, an A and R named Ron, who's a great guy, and even in production, threw me some of my first sessions I ever did. And uh, yeah, we we started touring the country. We'd open for the Arkells and a bunch of other cool artists. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of got my roots through that. Um, and in that band, I was guitar guy. Uh, and eventually, at a certain point, uh, we had, we were making the second record, and I just really wanted to express myself in other ways and as a singer as a more so as a writer um so i had actually i actually parted ways with that band and then started this group um and that kind of was right going into 2020 uh and then we went on like our first tour we played one show in winnipeg it was a cross-country tour and then actually this is the crazy part um literally five minutes before going on stage you're like hey guys this this pandemic thing is getting really bad. Like, uh, it's looking like the tour is going to be canceled. And, and this was, like, nah. I'm thinking it's like, oh, two weeks, whatever. But it was weird, though, because, like, nobody in the audience really knew yet. 
when I'm going up being like, they're about to find out the world's going to shut down. after this. And this is like their last outing too. This is like your first show. They're like, I know they're like, oh. and everything's all, like done after that. It was, it was hard to like, just like have fun despite it. Cause you're like, oh, like the tour is canceled and, and driving to Winnipeg is not like the, the greatest. Oh, no, man, that's absolutely <laughs> like, shit. I'm looking forward to BC. Wait, that's a 36 know? hour drive from Toronto to Winnipeg. Yeah. So, yeah I know something ridiculous. So, so that was kind of like that first band was like multiple years and then starting mute choir kind of led to that moment pandemic happened and i was like and i, I put out a whole record into 2022 which uh, making like a 14 song album is is not a cheap thing to do <laughs> so uh that kind of sucked to be honest but then yeah through the pandemic wrote another record and then here i am with album two it's kind of weird because i feel like i'm it almost feels like i'm starting fresh even though i'm on like my second album you know but that's been sort of my my journey um to to sum it up vaguely no but that's a journey though right because like i feel like now that COVID's kind of over i feel like people forget that like i i put COVID so far behind me to where i almost just forget that it existed like yeah. those like a year and a half that year i was like i kind of just wiped it from my memory yeah where it's like you gotta remember that like for someone like you you were just like kind of getting going on your career and now it's like okay hold come back down, start all over again, post pandemic now. But oh, it also yeah. changed a lot of people's patterns and like habits. Yeah. Yeah. So I it's mean, also the like world a new is so different. Like at that point in time, like the labels, like your Instagram feed has to be like super aesthetic. And now they're like, no artsy shit. Just TikToks. Like, yeah, no one tell cares us about your the favorite sandwich recipe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it everyone, is. everything's changed. We, yeah. we had an artist on the podcast, uh, maybe three or four months ago. And we posted a whole bunch of like reels, like highlights from the, the podcast, like just like certain clips. Mm. And he messaged me maybe like a month ago. And he's a great guy too. Crap, shout out Crap. Uh, he messaged me, he's like, hey man. He sent me a voice a voice note on Instagram. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey man, just like, I just gotta let you know I'm gonna uncollaborate from all the posts. Like, no disrespect. I had a blast on your podcast. Just like, you know, I'm trying to clean up my my feed. The label wants this. Like, I, gotta, I gotta post more of like stuff like that. It just doesn't feed. I was like, man, no disrespect at all. Like, I get it. You're... You're an artist, like you gotta, you know, shape your your image. And I get it. So it was just really funny that because, like, again, now you say like we had um, another one of our, our artists on Brie Rev, and you know she's doing really well. She's got an album coming out now, and you see her like going through that like social media cycle right now where she's just pumping out so much content because yeah. you know I hate to say the label's gonna make you, but I feel like whenever you have an album, the label's like, hey, yeah, get on social media, and make oh, sure you promote yeah, the hell out sure. of it. It's the only way right now. Nobody really knows how everything works like there used to be avenues you know there was the much music bands and all that now everyone's like go viral on tiktok like yeah that's it at the wall see what sticks yeah you know? make a make a million tiktoks until one goes viral and then boom there you're a superstar everyone's like every musician i talk to is super stressed by it like you know i do so many sessions with other writers and stuff like that and so many of them start with the obligatory like TikTok modern age talk and everyone's very stressed by it because there's just like a lot on the artist's plate that they have to do. Well, and, and your job's to make music and to perform music. Your job's, well, I guess now your job also is to make content. Yeah. Because and it's a lot of so unknown though. And it's it, so tough. I just feel like it also might not come naturally to everyone and having no. to add that, not just your typical promo posts, like adding in the tiktok content or instagram reels like it doesn't come naturally then it becomes inauthentic and then the fans won't like it yeah there's plenty of people that you can tell they're like making something they hate and it's 
that's forced. Um, I'm I'm not honestly the best with it. Like I I'm I'm no social media guru at all. But I'm also like kind of chill about it. I'm not too I'm not overly concerned with that aspect because my career has many facets as well, which makes it a little bit harder as well. Like you know. I express myself artistically through this band, but then also like 90% of my week is like sessions, sessions, sessions with artists writing and stuff. And um, I don't know. I, I, for me, I just like go with the flow. I like in my life, 90% of like good things that have happened to me, like running into this guy from Warner were never things that are according to the plan. They're just just like chance. Yeah, and opportunities show themselves to you, and you either take advantage of them or not. So, do you believe in karma? Sorry, Danny. Ooh, I don't know. I I don't know about karma. I believe in the law of attraction. Um, car just karma seems like there's a negative connotation as well. Um, yeah, with like bad karma. Yeah, I don't know if I like this like idea of like that kind of destiny, but I mean, I guess the law of attraction in a way is very similar to that. But I believe that yeah. like if you're putting out positive energy like it'll come back to you and i don't even necessarily think about that in like what would be seen as like a hippy dippy way but like just like you hey, have the hippie know, vibes though, right? like, oh yeah like the hair like very hippie people, vibes. people definitely assume like i i think a certain way because of the look but uh and i feel like i'm a pretty logically rooted person i used to be very a lot more like spiritual and like zen vibes and then i stopped going to yoga and it all went down <laughs> if you went to university what would you have studied what were you supposed other, to other than obviously music, music yeah. uh i don't I, I was really into psychology like that. you know it's so weird understand. i was gonna guess that yeah I'm, it's it's i feel like a lot that's like not that uncommon but it is really fascinating how, the, how like humans work right yeah i mean a lot of my songs are about psychological type things too but i find that super super interesting um, and, and just like helping people I feel like I've, I've always been the mediator in my friend group and I'm like the friend therapist sometimes, especially being, like I said, like kind of always very logical about stuff. People get like heated and, and I'm the one that's like, okay, let's just take yeah, a sure. step back <laughs> like, and think out. about this. Like, you know, um, yeah, psychology. What were you going to ask before when I cut you off? You can't remember? Wait, what did you guys go to school for? I, uh, you both I did went the, to Western? I, yeah, I'm a little bit older than she is. I did the MIT program there. Media oh, yeah. Information Technoculture. Yeah, I hated it. Yeah. Like, hated it. <laughs> Despised like, it. I still don't get that I, I if, if I can, if there's one thing people get from my, I love Western, and I think going to Western and spending four years there in London was some of the best years of my life, and I learned so much. I grew up as a man. Mm-hmm. But I really think that if you don't like your program and you're one, switch out. And back then I didn't, right now I don't give, I don't care what other people think about me. I'm very like confident in myself and who I am and what I'm about. Back then I didn't realize I wasn't because after first year, half the class gets kicked out of MIT Mm -hmm. and my marks were good enough to keep me in. And I didn't want people to think I got kicked out. So I stayed in year two and everyone's like, oh, it gets better in year two. It gets better. And I I despised it. I just didn't enjoy anything about it. I thought like media, information, technoculture, it's like a marketing program. No, it's absolutely not. It's all about Marxism. And I still couldn't tell you a single thing about Karl Marx. And he's like the main dude of our whole program. And I still don't, I couldn't even tell you what he looked like, what year he was born, what Marx. I can't tell you nothing about him. Wait, how does that bleed into Marxism? (laughs) No idea, but he was the dude. Like Marx, every, every course we had talked about him, Karl Marx. 
I couldn't tell you a single thing. I don't even know what if he's like a philosopher, so a business person. I couldn't even tell you thought, anything about wait, this. Wait, doesn't this all revolve around technology? No, it doesn't. My best like my roommate <laughs> was in not. MIT and it I and I don't know what like I don't know what she Literally, did. Literally, I I couldn't tell you a single thing I learned in that four years. I learned more in one year at George Brown <laughs> post grad in sport and event marketing than I learned in four years at Western. Okay, and funny that, thing that is that was marketing, you said? Yeah, sport and event marketing at George okay, Brown. Yeah. Oh, that I can I can say George Brown, that was amazing. That was mm-hmm. I wish I knew this ahead of time. I wouldn't I still would have went to university, but I would have taken like a business or something like yeah. something a little bit more practical in my life it's because applicable to a lot of things. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. again, even just basic finance, it's good for, right? Like yeah. just understanding numbers is, is always great. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely hated the MIT program yeah. and I tell anybody that will listen how much I hated it and to not take it. Yeah. No, I took kinesiology at Western, oh, yeah? but I ended up taking the same post-grad program as Ricky in oh, sport and event marketing. Is that how you met? No. no, no, no. Like he's older. Her best friend is engaged to my best friend. Yeah. Oh. But then I'm actually an accountant now. So I had to go back to school for business credits because oh, wow. kinesiology didn't have that. If you could go back in time and redo Western, what would you take? Now, I don't know if I'd switch it because initially at that time, I thought I was going to go into like the sports realm. And again, sports medicine, sport, like. That's fair. Like I was applying to like athletic therapy, physio programs. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Let's go into sports marketing. Did I ever tell you Ken was my backup plan at Western? Well, it's a better program than my So, So this is a little random, but <laughs> in kinesiology, in second year, you get to take like sports as, like, as credits. Class. Yeah. Yeah, I took dance. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. And I'm like, it hey, is. I took bio in first year. But the other classes are hard. Yeah, and I'm like, it's just me and science, like bio, I just don't get it. It's like reading a different language. I just, I can't. But what people I didn't realize comprehend. that at Western, there's like, so first year and second year is really straightforward. It's like you take BA or BS, C. So the science stream, the BA stream. You still have to take bio, but that just like depends if you want to take like uh, chemi- chemistry or like calculus, whatever, or like the arts classes. Then second year is basically the same thing, just a bit like more condensed classes. Then third and fourth year, you get to specialize. So like that's why I started taking like sports management classes. And there's different streams through there, but people didn't realize like how many programs there actually is in the singular kin program. That's so it's not all science-based. That's fair. Um, I want to ask a random question. Mm-hmm. So when you were touring, I'm assuming you went to a lot of these like university towns. Yeah. Which one was your favorite? Honestly, they kind of all blur together. Really? Like, what what a which, shitty answer. No. Well, we did a lot of froshes actually for a bit. Yeah, that's uh, what I like. Because like the Arkells, especially if you're opening for the Arkells, I feel like you would have played. It was always with them. Yeah. They, for a while, they just always brought us on board with them. And there was a lot of froshes. I think I think I remember you like Laurier, especially being like really awesome because if I'm remembering that Laurier is the place I'm thinking of the the we played with Sunreal, the Arkells, uh, I'm forgetting some of the other people, but it was just a crazy vibe and it was huge. Like they, it was in one of their gymnasiums and it just felt like what I would imagine playing a stadium would almost feel like. Maybe not to that level, but it was just crazy amounts of people. Um, and everyone's just wanting to party after everyone's telling you about cool frat houses or whatever, having a party after. And you, we were pretty young too. And like, especially with the, the major label life, you had, you had a little bit less worries on tour than you would now like me, like running the show and keeping track of everything. Um, so I, I think Laurier was pretty crazy. Queens, Queens, I remember being nuts too. It was like an outdoor show. 
Um, but yeah, there are many, many drunken nights for all of those. <laughs> so that's why I'm blurred okay. together. I'm going to bring this now because we just talked about stadiums. What's your dream venue to play at now as an artist? You know what's so funny? I knew you were going to ask this. Because I heard the stadium, then I was like, oh, I was let me literally ask just going to say, Danny, do you want to ask the question? Well, Does anyone okay. not say Wembley? Pardon? Does anyone not say Wembley? Or you know what? Really? You, okay. Nobody says Wembley. Yeah, one person did. Really? Really? Yeah, once or yeah, twice. Or have you seen the, the U2 yeah. thing that they did recently? The Sphere? Yeah, oh. that looks crazy. I think I'm literally like, I, I hope that's everybody's answer moving So forward. I'm yeah. going to Vegas in November, but there's no U2 concerts. like the one weekend that there isn't. Wait, are they, is, is what they're doing like a residency? Yeah, it's a residency. They're yeah. here until oh, the end of the year. So the one weekend I'm there, it's not there. So they're doing like a Planet Earth it still looks really cool I'm going though. but yes. it's gonna be like the science center on crack no. like I used to cry having to go watch that in universe so like I, Dude, I texted my friends and I'm like awesome. are we still Don't going they're like yeah we have to I'm like okay fine it's gonna be cool I did the science center planet earth IMAX things when I was a kid yeah Those awesome. I feel like yeah. everyone did like if you yeah, lived in Toronto is, like you have to this is next level so yeah, this is like it looks crazy it's like, but it's crazy because I looked at tickets in the center they're going for like 280 I'm not paying 280 to go watch a documentary about the planet like so come free, on but for YouTube, so they if say you too i'll pay no but they say the best seats are actually the three and the 400 level no no it doesn't matter the levels if you're in the center even at the top it's more expensive than at the sides of it oh yeah that makes but sense at the sides you can pay 40 bucks yeah but you can't like it's just a full yeah because you're say, going high it's kind of like a yeah. tennis stadium you go high instead of so this a way. friend of mine i was just in texas this past weekend and a friend of mine went to see you two at the sphere and they have a, a medical room just for all the people that faint and get like really sick in there because of like vertigo and like it's really steep apparently. And with all the lights and everything, like, people like literally trip out. Like uh, what's it called? Ep- really? Um, yeah. So I'm gonna go completely sober. Uh, not epilepsy. Ah, whatever. Anyways, when you get, we see flashing lights and you go like faint because of the flash- epilepsy. Is it epilepsy? Yeah. Okay, I got it right. Um, yeah, apparently it's like really bad because again, it's millions of lights it's just it's basically all lights yeah i don't know why you'd go to that if you oh uh, no i'm i'm so excited i'm like i'm worried that i might trip out because again you it's not it's like nothing you've seen before so great answer yeah i mean who knows how many of those people will show up on shrooms or something like if i was if i was going to that i feel like that'd be wild like a though. great way to experience i feel like about a little too much so i'd be like hey the like the i just don't even know how to feel Cause I've been watching my. Yeah, I TikTok. wonder if you feel claustrophobic in there a bit. My so there's one video with all the lights and it sh- it looks like the roof is coming down on you. Yeah. With all the colorful lights because like oh the way That'd it's shaped. That'd be shape. awesome. But yeah, like I'm looking at this. I'm like, holy crap! I feel like you get like a natural high just by like looking at the lights. Yeah, I feel like yeah. you'd have to go sober. A hundred percent. At least for the first time. Well, I think I'm like gonna say let's go to like the 7:30 Planet Earth show. Like I'm not going at 9 p.m. in Vegas. Oh, because I was actually gonna come to Vegas with you guys. Like, come. Well, no, not if you two's not playing. I shouldn't have told you. I should have lied. No, I would obviously look at it. Yeah, because I need to go. Because you two, I, I love going to concerts. I'm a big concert guy. You two is one of my few artists that I that I still haven't seen that I need to see. So what's what's your uh, what's your favorite concert you've been to ever? Taylor Swift. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just I was not a Taylor Swift fan. Yeah. And I was in um, Windsor for a pickleball tournament, and Taylor Swift was playing in Detroit the next night. So I saw this I was like cool Like my mom was coming with me I was like mom You wanna go to She's like oh my god yeah And then you start talking about it The algorithm picks up on it So I'm starting to see All these like TikToks I'm like this looks really cool I've never had a problem Getting tickets Like in Toronto I can get tickets To almost any concert I go to a lot of concerts So I've made my friends And I whatever So I'm trying to get tickets To Taylor Swift in Detroit And it's like sold out Tickets are a thousand dollars For the nosebleeds I was like what the hell Like that's Who the fuck Was this the recent This is like three months ago Yeah three months ago It was in June I went 
You dished up for that. No, so I ended up getting really lucky. I, I was just posting on it, manifesting good karma, the tra- law of attraction. And I was supposed to say, hey, does anybody have tickets, blah, blah. Some one girl messages me. And actually, Mark Russell from Live Nation, I messaged him as a buddy, and he's like, hey, let me see what I can do for you. And then some girl messaged me, she's like, Ricky, I got a pre-sale code. Do you want them? I can get floor seats for 500 American each, row five. I was like, yeah, buy them. Like on Subhub, they were going for like four grand these seats. So I bought them, and then Mark Russell ends up messaging me like two days later. He's like, Ricky, I got you two seats. So I literally posted like close friends on Instagram. I'm like, hey, who's the biggest Taylor Swift fan? If you are the biggest Taylor Swift fan, like message me. So one of her friends actually like DM me. like, I'm actually the biggest Taylor Swift fan. Like, please, I've seen her 20 times. I need to go. Like, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> 20 well, times. She's literally seen she's her 21 s- times or something. You said 17. 17? Yeah. Something ridiculous. So I ended up like paying it forward to that girl. But that but Taylor did you Swift, know this person? Uh, she was friend of a friend. She was like actually, you went together or no? No, no. I, oh, ended up going, okay. I took my mom. She was. Uh, she, my oh, yeah, mom yeah, really yeah, wanted okay. to go. I was going to say, I'd be kind of like scared to take the biggest Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. But uh, no, Taylor Swift concert was just like stupid good. Like yeah, there's not literally remember. nothing wrong with it. It looks amazing. You, you try and, I, my favorite concert prior to that was Adele. And like, again, I wasn't a big Adele fan at the time. Mm. It just, she's literally at the voice of an angel. That's what I picture like when you go to heaven or something. Like that's what I picture like it sounds like. But Taylor Swift, I was, I was at the concert. I'm looking around. I'm like, there's like this can't be better than Adele. Like Adele's like my like Adele, yeah. and I couldn't find a single thing wrong with that concert. Like even the the like it was at Ford Field. The drink prices were reasonable. The line for the bathroom for men was non-existent, so I could literally run <laughs> to the bathroom and not miss a single song. Ninety-five percent like, of the people there were <laughs> yeah. Like, but even like the line for the women wasn't too bad. Like that she's performed for three and a half hours, plays like wow. 45 songs. She sings, she dances, she doesn't lip sing. She plays the guitar. She plays the piano. She dances. There's fireworks. The backup dancers, literally yeah, everything. About it is 10 is out of 10. Crazy. Yeah. I have a question for you as an artist. Cause actually this debate this weekend with my family, we found that like, and you can jump in on this, uh, concert price. The tickets have gone up since COVID. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. exponentially gone up. And I so don't know much. what the point in time was like, Eras tour like Taylor Swift like he was saying tickets are insanely expensive the demand so high and like she's selling out stadiums it's not like even like Scotiabank Arena but then the one to Drake a thousand dollars for section 307 in row 22 that's like the highest row possible and a thousand dollars the Taylor Swift stuff was like that too no? so Again, but, we're talking resale now, though. Okay, but resale. But even then, it's hard enough to get tickets. I was on trying to get my sister tickets to go see Zach Bryan. Click the button, gone. Click the button, gone. I was there for all the pre-sales. Yeah, you, like there's certain ones, but it's people, like it's like unless you're there right when it comes out. But even then, you have to be there half an hour before because then there's a queue and this and that, and yeah, it's, it's just kind of hard to. Avoid and then I the heard resale. Drake. Okay, his show was great. Second night of the show, he brought out much Jay better. Cole. Yeah, much better artist, but. Um, you're paying a thousand dollars and he's basically like talking through half of it and using his background vocals. I heard a lot of people say, yeah, it was a great show, but just cause they're diehard Drake fans and they're going to say anything he does is good. But if you actually looked at it from a performance perspective, it wasn't as good honest, as he's done in the past. Those kind of shows bore me a bit. I mean, it depends like what your vibe is and how crazy you go on stage. But especially if you're a big artist that can afford a production and then you don't do a production at all. Like I find well, he had a production. Yeah, no, no, he had a production that the people are just saying he wasn't vocally singing as much as he could, mm-hmm. but I just want even like the ticket. It made me not want to go to the concert. Cause I'm like, Hey, th- these people are paying a thousand dollars for like the worst seats ever, even $500, whatever. Whereas yeah. like before his old shows, it was like, 
the most like the best tickets were a thousand dollars you're paying five hundred dollars if you like get them really really late in time one thing that that i found a little shocking i don't know if this is still a thing or what i'm assuming so but i was looking for tickets uh last september for this september for a band not very big a band called death grips they're like a weird band that uh describe a lot of your music taste as weird (laughs) this band is very weird like all like unlistenable for most people (laughs) so like not 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 like a taylor shitting on your favorite band here not not like a taylor swift at all that you know there'd be crazy demand but they're they're like fairly big in niche circles that there was enough demand and then the ticket prices went up based on the demand like like a, a ticket stock market I thought that was very strange that they would run it in that fashion. That's interesting. I for me again, I, I go to a lot of concerts, so I have my my kind of plug on tickets. But one thing that I, I think a lot of people don't know about is if you don't get tickets when they first come out on like Ticketmaster or whatever, wait till the last minute to buy them. Okay, I was gonna say this because I knew uh, you were gonna say that yeah, because Noah Khan. I went to Morgan Wallen. Oh damn! Which was great got free tickets with a went with a friend had a great time but there was a lot of people like scalping tickets or just even tickets online that you could buy last minute Mm -hmm. for reasonable prices you had tickets to noah khan on the sunday i was like last minute you know what i want to go you know what i'll just go and scalp a ticket get there not a single scalper everything online was like 500 plus yeah, and one, at Budweiser stage. That one was weird. Morgan Wallen's like huge. And Morgan Wallen, there was tons, too. but it's because there were so many people trying to buy them to just resell them. Whereas yeah. like no content was real fans buying. Are them. you guys big country music fans? No. 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 Okay. But but we you know, go to the for, concerts. Yeah, for the right for the right artists, we can do it. I want to ask you, what's your favorite concert? Uh I the I think it was the second year of Way Home I went to. Um, okay, got well, some yeah. got some tickets, um, VIP tickets because I'm Ooh. not dealing with uh, festival porta potties. That That's fair. So gross. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was two band like uh, LCD Sound System the first night headline, one, yeah. and they I'd never heard of them and they were crazy and you know we were all fucked up and out of our minds and um, it was just insane. It, it was really inspirational too because they're like kind of like they do like old school electronic dance kind of stuff but from like a band perspective and i found that really inspiring. almost like an mg mgmt or whatever very much in that realm yeah. um and then the next night arcade fire played and they were headlining and they had like 20 people on stage and there was fireworks and we we're even more fucked up and it was it was really mind-blowing to see that level of a production and people on stage all doing so much and it was it was it was sick would you rather someone go on stage with all the production or just like going on stage and like just singing or i guess it's dependent oh, on like the band and- production oh i i like to see a band like yeah. playing but i love the theatrics of all that stuff it's just entertaining or yeah see that that's Usually I would say the same thing, but then I remember uh, Justin Bieber, and mm-hmm. I love I love Justin Bieber concert. Uh, sorry, I love Justin Bieber's music. Yeah, like I think the the kid or the, I guess he's a man now. Like, he's just like super talented. Like he can oh, sing, right. he can dance, he can play every instrument. He's phenomenal. Every concert I've ever been to, it's like a big production. He sings, he dances, but I find like he just he lip sings too much of it, and like yeah. I'm not like I'm if I'm paying five hundred bucks or whatever the price is for Justin Bieber is. I want to see. I want to see you sing. Like yeah. the dancing is a secondary to your singing. 
Whereas I feel that he's mo- okay, more. So I, I thought about this specifically just because of Justin Bieber and knew you were going to say that. Um, could it be because like his production wasn't enough for what he wasn't doing? If he had a bigger production to it, like again, yes, his dancers were amazing, but like the lights, the the background, the I this and like that, he, maybe it would have made it better because it's like if you see Dua Lipa, she did a great job, but her production, her singing, her the lights, everything just kind of came together. I feel like you ha- like the singing is the most important thing. Like you have to have to have to sing. I think there needs to be an in between point. Like I've also seen some shows where are very high production value. I saw NF recently. Who's um, sorry? NF. Oh yeah, I saw. I didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's, he was he was awesome, but. <laughs> I saw the tickets. I saw he was at Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. So I, I get uh, I get uh, pre-sale tickets citing concerts. Yeah. So anytime a concert comes out, I'll get an email saying, hey, you have like 24 hours to buy these tickets. And I've never heard of NF. Yeah. Like literally up until this, I'd never heard. And for there to be an artist at Scotiabank Arena that I've never heard of is odd. It's yeah. just like, how are you this famous that you can sell 20,000 tickets and I've never heard of you and I'm, I like music. I'm into music. Yeah. And just, I was like, cool, never heard, didn't know anything about it. So I just Google started listening. Okay, you know, not really my cup of tea. I'm just, I'm too far gone to, to get into it. Yeah. But so I can't, I, do I know him? No, but. I actually went because my mom is really into him and she asked me if I wanted to go, That's which nice. is weird because my mom's into like Celine Dion, Michael Bublé, and then randomly she's showing me these like, these like hard rap songs that this guy does. And so I went, but that was I, like, he performed really well and he's super talented, but it was very like production heavy not like to the level of a taylor swift but you're just kind of watching it being like this just feels like the recording like i don't really feel like yeah. i'm watching a live show that that's uh, one thing i do like about drake is drake does he he does like rap and he'll do this no like, so people are saying he wasn't on the no? weekend people were saying it was too much of his background vocals see rap, then that's a lot more common in, in hip-hop stuff right like you're basically leading into a track, but there's also great examples of that going really well. Like, I mean, I saw this, there's this old Eminem concert and I forget some of the guests, but uh, there was a few different guest features, but the production would like, he would leave stage and then he, it would, the, the video that was displaying would, as he's leaving, show him like, it's pre-recorded, but it shows him going behind the stage doing crazy stuff. And like, it's Eminem. So he does like weird shit where he puts a gun to his head and all that. And it's, it all kind of played out, but is they're still performing. There was a band and everything, but the production, I don't know that to me, that's just like effort, you know? Yeah. I like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like when I saw Adele, Adele was just basically her. She's got a couple background but singers. But that's her type of music. Yeah. I think it goes, it, it yeah. goes hand in I, hand I don't with know, the kind of like, music. Okay, Justin Bieber. He's the, like, or Backstreet Boys or, I don't know, like a boy band. Boy bands are the easiest ones because they all dance. If you're a boy band, you basically have to dance. And I don't think One Direction danced. They definitely dance some sort of dance moves. Yeah. Um, you, I, I feel like I just, if I'm paying this kind of money, I want to hear your voices and I want to mm. hear them live and I want to, I want to hear the, like the almost like out of breath when you're dancing, like that, that, that real music, that real sound. I don't want to hear the recording. Like if I want to hear the recording, I can just sit in my car and plus play on my iPhone. Like mm-hmm. I want to hear you. I want to hear you live. I want to hear when you screw up that, or you don't hit that note perfectly or whatever it is, or you hit that note per- better than it sounds on the record. I want to hear that stuff. So yeah, I, totally I don't know. Maybe agree. it's cause I just go to a lot of concerts. Like look at Lainey, one of the, like our favorite concerts we've been to together. That was like, they sang the entire time. So it's just, I really think it comes down to effort too. There's a Scottish artist, Paolo Nutini. You guys know him? 
uh, amazing like soul singer. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but I'd seen him the last time he came to town. He does it. He he'll put out an album like every five years or something. But he came back to town and he played a lot of the songs that people wanted to hear. But totally like new versions. He changed it up and some of the versions I didn't like as much. And I was hoping he would play the old stuff. But I also was like kind of stoked that that much effort went into like creating a new show that wasn't just what i've already seen or heard and it was a different experience okay so let me ask you this you're playing at wembley or the sphere in vegas what are you doing what's your what's going to be good about your show i i would love to like give me, give me your dream performance have you guys ever seen the videos of roger waters tour and he has like the wall and he it like breaks it down and stuff or no. I, I, I like that kind of stuff um Pink Floyd did something like that back in the day too, where when they released the wall, as they were playing the concert, they had this huge team start like building a literal physical wall between them and the audience. But I think something like where it's interactive, um, ideally with the audience too, but something where the production and the playing is interactive and um, telling like a, a cool story or taking you through a cool journey. Okay. You know, um, you remind me, you know who I think did a really good job of kind of using the crowd and getting them involved? Um, Coldplay. The, oh, the yeah. Color of Lights tour, whatever that tour is called, where mm -hmm. every, every single person gets a bracelet and the bracelet lights up differently according to like songs that they're doing and whatever. Those yeah, are expensive. I went, I went to the, when they did Milo's Ailato and yeah, it had the bracelets and yeah. it was so cool. Who's your dream artist to collab with? I was going to ask that. I know you've been asking it a lot lately. <laughs> so I'll take Coldplay it. would be up there, honestly. I actually very nearly hung out with Chris Martin one time. I was, uh, my management was recording at Revolution um, with Alessia, who's also on the management company. And uh, they're like, come say hi to Alessia. And you know, meet her and everything. And I did, and they were doing it, I think for like a Christmas session. So we went and hung out a bit and uh, he was like, you should come back on Saturday. I'm like, oh, like I don't have the studio booked. I got this and this to do, whatever I can't. And then the like right the day later on Sunday, my manager calls me and he's like, bro, Chris Martin came in the studio to write with Alessia. That's why he told you to come in. I was like, Damn, I, lo I I loved Coldplay growing up. Oh, I, I do not do. like Coldplay. They're so good. Coldplay's like a U2. You know what I mean? Like it's a U2 of our generation. Okay. What kind of music did you listen to growing up versus now? I like has that changed or is it like pretty similar? Good question. Uh, I think it varies with like like phases, but uh, depending on the age. Uh, I, I remember first getting into music. There was a lot of pop punk stuff. I loved some 41. They were awesome. Blank was awesome. <laughs> Limp Bizkit. I actually, I only literally heard Limp Bizkit for the first time like this year. Really? Yeah. I which I, I heard break stuff. I was like, this is dope. I don't get why people rip what on about, this. Uh, not, uh, not Napster. Oh. LimeWire? No, it was, uh, it was a mm -hmm. band. Uh, it was like some 41, Blink-182, uh, Offspring. Remember Offspring? Yeah, the the guy's oh, voice kind of pisses okay. me off. I know them, but I can't get into his. Not voice. weird enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's pop punk. I think got me into music. I was really into those bands. Blink, uh, Billy Talent was big too. Oh, Billy Talent, yeah. heavy stuff. Um, I don't know. I listen to a lot of pop music too. I love a good pop song. Like, so even though I make like experimental ish music now, in when I was younger, like in high school, I made all these like Ed Sheeran sounding songs 
I wrote I wrote my high school sweetheart at the time like a full album that was no, you so didn't. sappy. Do you have it still? I don't have it. She has it. <laughs> How do we get this? Oh my this would be so funny. I like you like make it like this. I hope like one day you make it like super big and famous and like she shows up to one of your shows with like that that album or like that's it's probably a cd right it's so yeah it's so sappy though it's so bad it, it, we had like broken up and i was just oh it's a breakup Can we, have you Wait, ever trying to get back together with her with this album with this oh no no not this one oh. now the one you wrote oh, right. oh yeah yeah was it like yeah. i love you take me back sappy it was actually not very nice to her i feel like it was like spiteful <laughs> but like also you can't help i was gonna ask how that worked but i feel like we kind of well we did wait, get back since together then, have did, you, so it did work i guess since then have you ever written a girl a song or made her an album not an album but songs it was honestly this is so i was such i was such a hopeless romantic like uh i was going to montreal with my brother who who grew up there and she was really she really liked I think it was Jolly Ranchers. I don't know. It was like I got a box of all her favorite candies <laughs> and then put the album in it. And I'm pretty sure the cover was like a picture of us too. It was so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. It hurts me to say <laughs> it's it. It's literally a movie. And I left it at her doorstep. No, this is, on, the day like before Hallmark Christmas. Movie. Yeah, this is a Hallmark like comedy. You yeah. Know, like Valentine's Day or something. Like this yeah. is one of those kind of movies. Yeah, it was. it was... I, it honestly I, tell the story of this yeah i think telling a story i just peeked in my mouth a little bit but <laughs> it was cute at the time i Thank guess god i'm not a musician because i would write way too many girl songs oh, yeah. oh my god you'd be i would actually yeah no imagine if i was no. especially if i was a good singer oh my god i'd be i'd be at like the local i'd be like horseshoe tavern every other week singing a girl song <laughs> A specific girl song, a different. Oh, uh, I'd be like, "Come see me perform this week. I wrote you a song." <laughs> Holy fuck! I'd be so bad. This is a good marketing strategy. There you, <laughs> you, take, you take this for free. <laughs> this is your TikTok. This is this is how you get on the TikTok. I did another crazy thing with that specific high school sweetheart. The first time we hung this girl out, got you good. <laughs> oh fuck. Dude, I I'm surprised that that was a relationship that happened because I did so many great. The first time we ever hung out. I, I had just gotten my, I was like 16. I had just gotten my license like two weeks before. Um, so I'm all like, I'm driving to pick cool. her up Wait, in what my car. car. You, what car are you in? It was, uh, do you watch The Office? Yeah, of course. It was a Chrysler Sebring, which is. Uh, so it's not uh, as bad as like a PT Cruiser, but. No, I mean, it's, it's kind Scott's. of a granny car, but it was like a convertible. What color? Cool. It was gold. <laughs> and I, So I pick her up in this car like two weeks in, into having a license and I couldn't even think of what to do anyways. I brought her back to my house to oh. hang out um, and we had like a slanted driveway like this. And I'm pulling, I pull into the driveway. I'm all nervous. Like I'm, I was like a nerdy kid dating this Barbie doll looking girl. I'm all nervous and I, I park the car, get out, except I didn't put it in park. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> so the car starts rolling down this driveway with her in the car. And the, my one door is open and uh, yeah, the door just hits against the tree and like bends the other way. <laughs> God. It was so bad, and then this my parents are just coming out. Still dated there. Yeah, I was like, "This is oh." At first, of course, the first thing in my brain wasn't even the car. I'm like, "Oh, she's not gonna want to date me now." <laughs> like, my parents are coming out. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it somehow uh, we ended up this like, is dating a for like to, a while. Your next that. album needs to like just write a story of your life <laughs> and then sell this to like a movie, Dude, a movie was, company. Yeah, this is like the next like Netflix. This is like, the next like Hallmark. 
Hallmark Christmas yeah, special. Yeah, but like low-key docu-series. Like, yeah. Perfect. No, docu-series, this is a movie really good like for It could be like half and half, like fake, yeah. real, whatever. It's like Hallmark, you know, like Ashton Kutcher stars in it or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, my teen years would be like how to get kicked out as quickly as possible. <laughs> it's too many, too much crazy shit. <laughs> I'm glad I got out of my system young though because like I had lots of friends that are Wait, like, were you on the Adderall when all this happened or no? Uh, probably, yeah. Blame it on that. Blame it on that. <laughs> Blame it on the prescription meds. Yeah. Well, we're hitting that part now, but um, before we wrap up, I actually did want to start bringing back this question because we used to mm-hmm. ask it all the time. If there was one piece of advice you can give to your younger self, what would it be? Uh, live in the moment, I think. I've spent a lot of time like fixating on the past or having too much expectations for the future and either not living up to that or not being able to let go of something. And the times that felt happiest in my life are, are when you're just like accepting things. Um, and I think that's the best, the most positive way to live life is kind of just in the moment, accepting things for what they are and moving forward. God, I love it. Anything else? I think that's it. No, thanks for coming on. This is the bus. Um, yeah, I mean, if people want to find out more about you, your music, everything you're doing, where can they go? How can they find you? Uh, Mute Choir Music on pretty much all handles or MuteChoir.com, which leads out to everything. Perfect. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Any shows coming up or anything? Yeah, we're actually going to Waterloo tomorrow. We're playing a show with Featurette. And then Montreal on Saturday, and we got a few days off, and we're doing St. Catharines, Hamilton, and then we're playing Toronto at the Baby G on the 21st. Oh, unreal. At where? Yeah, yeah, at the Baby G. Where's that? I don't know. I forget, I forget the location. It's downtown. We'll it's very that. central. <laughs> we'll go. Well, when the t- uh, guests send us a link for the tickets, everything, we'll promote it with the episode too. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. This was a blast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. If you made it to the end of this, we appreciate you. Thank you. Give him a follow. Give Danny a follow. Myself, the podcast. You know the drill. And we will see you next week. Peace, guys. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain And I don't remember all of my mistakes in every eye I got alone, no one thing, you're not